section four of the rover volume one number fifteen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the rover volume one number fifteen edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section four the captain's lady after an absence of several years from my native city i had lately the pleasure of paying it a visit and having spent a few days with my friends was about to bid adieu once more to the goodly and quiet streets of philadelphia the day had not yet dawned and i stood trembling at the door of the stage office muffled in a great coat while the driver was securing my baggage the streets were still and tenantless and not a foot seemed to be travelling but my own every body slept gentle and simple for sleep is a gentle and simple thing the watchmen slumbered and the very lamps seemed to have caught the infectious drowsiness i felt that i possessed at that moment a lordly pre-eminence among my fellow-citizens for they were all torpid as dead to consciousness as swallows in the winter or mummies in a catacomb i alone had sense knowledge power energy the rest were all poor du shut up like the imprisoned genii who were bottled away by solomon and cast into the sea i could release them from durance in an instant i could discharge either of them from imprisonment or i could suffer the whole to remain spellbound until the appointed time for their enlargement everything slept mayor aldermen and councils the civil and the military learning and beauty and eloquence porters dogs and drays steam engines and patent machines even the elements reposed if it had not been so cold i could have moralized upon the death-like torpor that reigned over the city as it was i could not help admiring that wonderful regulation of nature which thus periodically suspends the vital powers of a whole people there is nothing so cheering as the bustle of a crowd nothing more awful than its repose when we behold the first when we notice the vast aggregate of human life so variously occupied so widely diffused so powerful and so buoyant a sensation is produced like that with which we gaze at the ocean when agitated by a storm a sense of the utter inadequacy of human power to still such a mass of troubled particles but when sleep strews her poppies it is like the pouring of oil upon the waves i had barely time to make this remark when two figures rapidly approached two of solomon's genii escaped from duress had not their onward forms been peaceable and worldly i could have fancied them a pair of malignant spirits come to invite me to a meeting of conspirators or a dance of witches it was a quaker gentleman with a lady hanging on one arm and a lantern on the other so that although he carried double his burdens were both light as soon as they reached the spot where i stood the pedestrian raised his lantern to my face 
and inspected it earnestly for a moment i began to fear that he was a police officer who having picked up one candidate for the treadmill was seeking to find her a companion it was an unjust suspicion for worthy obadiah was only taking a lecture on physiognomy and being satisfied with the honesty of my lineaments he said pray friend would it suit thee to take charge of a lady what a question seldom have my nerves received so great a shock not that there was anything alarming or disagreeable in the proposition but the address was so sudden the interrogatory so direct the subject matter so unexpected take charge of a lady quoth he i had been for years a candidate for this very honour never was there a more willing soul in the round world i had always been ready to take charge of a lady but had never been happy enough to find one who was willing to place herself under my protection and now when i least expected it came a fair volunteer with the sanction of a parent to throw herself as it were into my arms i thought of the country where the pigs run about ready roasted crying who'll eat me i thought too of aladdin and his wonderful lamp and almost doubted whether i had not touched some talisman whose virtues had called into my presence a substantial personification of one of my day-dreams but there was obadiah of whose mortality there could be no mistake and there was the lady's trunk not an imaginary trunk but a most copious and ponderous receptacle ready to take its station socially beside my own what a prize for a travelling bachelor a lady ready booked and bundled up with her trunk packed and her passage paid alas it is but for a season after that some happier wight will take charge of the lady and i may jog on in single loneliness these thoughts passed rapidly through my mind during a pause in the quaker's speech and before i could frame a reply he continued my daughter has just heard of the illness of her husband captain jackson of the rifleman and wishes to get to baltimore to-day to join him the ice has stopped the steamboats and she is obliged to go by land i had the grace to recover from my fit of abstraction so far as to say in good time that it would afford me pleasure to render any service in my power to mrs jackson and i did so with great sincerity for every chivalrous feeling of my bosom was enlisted in favour of a lady young sensitive and no doubt beautiful who was flying on the wings of love to the chamber of an afflicted husband i felt proud of extending my protection to such a pattern of connubial tenderness and offering my hand to worthy obadiah i added i am obliged to you sir for this mark of your confidence and will endeavour to render mrs jackson's journey safe if not agreeable a hearty thank thee friend i judged as much from thy appearance was all the reply and the stage being now ready we stepped in and drove off as the carriage rolled over the pavement my thoughts naturally reverted to my fair charge ah thought i what a happy fellow is captain jackson of the rifle what a prize he has drawn in the lottery of life how charming it must be to have such a devoted wife here was i a solitary bachelor doomed perhaps to eternal celibacy cheerless indeed was my fate compared with his should i fall sick there was no delicate female to fly to my bedside no i might die before a ministering angel would come to me in such a shape but fortunate captain jackson no sooner is he placed on the sick list by the regimental surgeon than 
his amiable partner quits her paternal mansion accepts the protection of a stranger risks her neck in a stage-coach and her health in the night air and flies to the relief of the invalid i wonder what is the matter with captain jackson continued i sickness is generally an unwelcome and often an alarming visitor it always brings the doctor with his long bill and loathsome drugs and it sometimes opens the door to the doctor's successor in office death but sickness when it calls home an affectionate wife when it proves her love and her courage when its pangs are soothed by the tender and skilful assiduity of a loving and beloved friend even sickness under such circumstances must be welcome to that happy man captain jackson of the rifle poor fellow perhaps he is very sick dying for aught that we know then the lady will be a widow and there will be a vacant captaincy in the rifle regiment strange that i should never have heard of him before i thought i knew all the officers what kind of a man can he be the rifle is a fine regiment they were dashing fellows in the last war chiefly from the west all marksmen who could cut off a squirrel's head or pick out the pupil of a grenadier's eye he was a backwoodsman no doubt six feet six with red whiskers and an eagle eye his regimentals had caught the lady's fancy the sex loves anything in uniform perhaps because they are the very reverse of everything that is uniform themselves the lady did well to get into the rifle regiment for she was evidently a sharpshooter and could pick off an officer when so disposed what an eye she must have a plague on captain jackson what evil genius sent him poaching here why sport is grey and black among the pretty quaker girls of philadelphia why could not the rifle officers enlist their wives elsewhere or why if philadelphia must be rifled of its beauty why had not i been captain jackson when a man begins to think upon a subject of which he knows nothing there is no end of it for his thoughts not having a plain road to travel will shoot off into every by-path thus it was that my conjectures wandered from the captain to his lady and from the lady to her father what an honest confiding soul must worthy obadiah be continued i to myself to place a daughter so estimable perhaps his only child under the protection of an entire stranger he is doubtless a physiognomist i carry that best of all letters of introduction a good appearance perhaps he is a phrenologist but that cannot be for my bumps be they good or evil are all muffled up after all the worthy man might have made a woeful mistake for all that he knew i might be a sharper or a senator a plenipotentiary or a pickpocket i might be washington irving or sir humphrey davy or the wandering jew i might be a vampire or ventriloquist i might be cooper the novelist for he is sometimes a travelling bachelor or i might be our other cooper for he is a regular occupant of the stage i might be captain symes going to the inside of the world or mr owen going according to circumstances i might be miss wright no i couldn't be miss wright nor if i was would anybody be guilty of such a solecism as to ask miss wright to take charge of a lady for she believes that ladies can take charge of themselves after all how does obadiah know that i am not the president of the united states what a mistake would that have been how would the chief magistrate of twenty-four sovereign republics have been startled by the question pray friend would it suit thee to take charge of a lady it is not to be supposed that i indulged in this soliloquy at the expense of politeness not at all it was too soon to intrude on the sacredness of the lady's quiet besides however voluminous these reflections may seem in the recital 
but a few minutes were occupied in their production for perkins never made a steam generator half so potent as the human brain but david began to break and i thought proper to break silence it is a raw morning madam said i very raw said she and the conversation made a full stop the roads appear to be rough said i returning to the charge very rough replied the lady another full stop have you ever travelled in a stage before i inquired yes sir but never so great a distance perhaps no never another dead halt i see how it is thought i the lady is a blue she cannot talk of the commonplace matters and is laughing in her sleeve at my simplicity i must rise to a higher theme and then as the stage rolled off the scutchel bridge i said we have passed the rubicon and i hope we shall not like the roman conqueror have cause to repent our temerity the day promises to be fair and the omens are all auspicious what did you say about mr rubicom inquired mrs jackson i repeated and the lady replied oh yes very likely and then resumed her former taciturnity thinks i to myself captain jackson and his lady belong to the peace establishment well if the lady does not choose to talk politeness requires of me to be silent and for the next hour not a word was spoken i had now obtained a glimpse of my fair companion's visage and candour compels me to admit that it was not quite so beautiful as i had anticipated her complexion was less fair than i could have wished her eye was not mild her nose was not such as a statuary would have admired and her lips were white and thin i made these few observations with fear and trembling for the lady repelled my inquiring glance with a look of defiance a frown lowered upon her haughty brow and i could almost fancy i saw a cockade growing to her bonnet and a pair of whiskers bristling on her cheeks there thought i looked captain jackson of the rightful fortunate man whose wife imbibing the pride and courage of a soldier can punish with a look of scorn the glance of impertinent curiosity at breakfast her character was more fully developed if her tongue had been out of commission before it had now received orders for active service she was convinced that nothing fit to eat could be had at the sign of the black horse and was shocked to find that the landlord was a dutchman what's your name said she to the landlady red heifer ma'am oh dreadful was it you that made the perpetual motion no ma'am then she sat down to the table and turned up her pretty nose at everything that came within its cognizance this butter was too strong and the tea too weak the bread was stale and the bacon fresh the rolls were heavy and the lady's appetite light will you try an egg said i i don't like eggs allow me to help you to a wing of this fowl i can't say that i am partial to the wing a piece of the breast then madam it is very tough isn't it no it seems quite tender it is done to rags i'm afraid quite the reverse the gravy follows the knife oh horrible it is raw on the contrary i think it is done to a turn permit me to give you this piece i seldom eat fowls except when cold then madam here is a nice cold pullet let me give you a merry thought nothing is better to travel on than a merry thought thank you i never touch meat at breakfast and my merry thought flashed in the pan perhaps sir your lady would like some chipped beef or some this is not my lady mrs redheifer interrupted i fearing the appellation might be resented more directly from another quarter oh la i beg pardon but how could a body tell you know when a lady and gentleman travels together you know it's so natural quite natural mrs redheifer maybe ma'am you'd fancy a bit of cheese or a slice of apple pie or some pumpkin sauce or a sausage or i know not how the touchy gentlewoman would have taken all this i do not mean all these good things but the offer of them for luckily before any reply could be made the stage-driver called us off with his horn as i 
handed the lady into the stage i ventured to take another peep and fancied she looked vulgar but how could i tell napoleon has said there is but a step between the sublime and the ridiculous and we all know that between very high fashion and vulgarity there is often less than a step good sense grace and true breeding lie between the lady occupied one of these extremes i knew not which nor would it have been polite to inquire too closely as that was a matter which more nearly concerned captain jackson of the rifle who no doubt was excellently well qualified to judge of fashion and fine women by this time the lady had wearied of her former taciturnity and grown loquacious she talked incessantly chiefly about herself and her pa her pa was a quaker but she was not a quaker they had turned her out of meeting for marrying captain jackson her pa was a merchant he was in the shingle and board line alas i was in the board line myself just then gentle reader i spare you the recital of all i suffered during that day the lady's temper was none of the best and travelling agreed with it but indifferently when we stopped she was always in a fever to go when going she fretted continually to stop at meal time she had no appetite at all of the time she wanted to eat as one of the drivers expressed it she was in a solid pet the whole day and i had to alight a hundred times to pick up her handkerchief or to look after her baggage and hundred times i wished her in the arms of captain jackson of the rifle i bore it all amazingly however and take to myself no small credit for having discharged my duty without losing my patience or omitting any attention which politeness required my companion would hardly seem to have deserved this yet still she was a female and i had no right to find fault with those little peculiarities of disposition which i certainly did not admire besides her husband was a captain in the army and the wife of a gallant officer who serves his country by land or sea has high claims upon the chivalry of her countrymen at last we arrived at baltimore and i immediately called a hack and desired to know where i should have the pleasure of setting down my fair companion at the sign of the anchor street fells point was the reply surprised at nothing after all i had seen i gave the order and stepped into the carriage is any part of the rifle regiment quartered on fells point said i i don't know replied the lady does not your husband belong to that regiment law bless you no captain jackson isn't a soldier i've been under a mistake then understood that he was a captain in the riflemen no he is captain of the riflemen a sloop that runs from baltimore to north carolina and brings tar and turpentine and such matters that's the house continued she and as i live there's mr jackson up and well the person pointed out was a slow stout built vulgar man half intoxicated with a glazed hat on his head and a huge quid in his teeth how are you polly said he as he handed his wife out and gave her a smack which might have been her over the street who's that gentleman eh a messmate of yours that's the gentleman that took care of me on the road the supercargo eh come mister light and take something to drink i thanked the captain and ordered the carriage to drive off fully determined that whatever other imprudence i might hereafter be guilty of i would never again if i could avoid it take charge of a lady End of section four